relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Show me your movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified filmmakers who are making the horror movies we love so much. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me today is the always excellent, the brilliant, like the backbone of this pod because <laughs> I am a mess, the one and only Ariel. Hi. <laughs> that backbone. was a very generous introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's true. It, I never have trouble coming up with uh, a new compliment for you because there you are oh, worthy please. of so many of them. And like every day you've done something like fabulous that day. And I'm like, that's cool. That's fodder for the intro. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So how are you? Are you hanging in there? Yeah, it's- yeah, I'm hanging in. We are at the very end of Women. I in know. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's been so busy, but like it's also flown by really fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly it went by. Like I remember at the beginning when we had all these plans, it felt like it was gonna be, I don't know, like there was just so much going on. And like to be on the other end of that feels kind of wild. Yeah. Already. <laughs> yeah. Well. It's okay. There's another one next year, I next know. March. I we know. Can do it all over again. <laughs> and between now and then, we've got Pride Month. We've got Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. We've got the holidays. <laughs> Plenty of stuff got... coming up to keep us busy. That reminds me. I was on, I recorded with Trick or Treat Radio last night. Yeah. Great guys. If you guys are not listening to their show, you absolutely should. They're like the loveliest people. They're so funny. They're so funny. And like, of course, you came up. Um, because, oh, really? <laughs> yes, Michael Raven Shadow is like high key obsessed with you as he should be. That That's is the so correct funny. response to Ariel. <laughs> um, but I had forgotten because I may have been slightly overserved on the Christmas special that we talked about doing an Arbor Day special. What? <laughs> Which is next month. Arbor Day. <laughs> <laughs> Who picks Arbor Day for horror podcasts? I. I vaguely threw a mezcal fog. Remember being like thinking that would be hilarious to do the next holiday <laughs> special as the Arbor Day special. I mean, that Johnny reminded funny. me last night. Yeah, so I think we oh gotta boy. we gotta plan that. If only because we gotta get you and Raven Shadow in the same room. Yeah, that's true. Because I missed the Christmas one. Yes. The other thing is we gotta get them on the show. We gotta get them guesting on yes. the show. Not during Women in Hormones, obviously, because it's both the ladies. But um, <laughs> pretty soon we gotta get yeah. them on the show because yeah, absolutely. I'm just gonna be like watching you guys interact. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> no, 
oh, he's he's hilarious, and I think he has a lot of questions for you. Oh um, boy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's reasonable. Your life is wild, so <laughs> I get I have a lot of questions. I just get to ask them. He has to like be the That's ghost of listening to the conversation, not getting to like get in there. So we got to make that happen. But back to ladies. Enough about those boys. Let's talk about girls. All right, so let's get into what we're actually here to talk about this week, because folks, oh boy. Do we have a show for you this week? I know I always say that, but this, it's about to get epic, epic up in here, because not only are we speaking with Mercedes Bryce Morgan, the director of the new Shutter film, Spoonful of Sugar, we are also getting the pleasure of chatting with Leah St. Marie and Katrina Kudlick, the writer and producer of this film. So exciting. So talk about a power trio. Yes. <laughs> They're amazing. We talk a lot of, when we talk to them, we talk about like having more women on set, more women involved in the creative process, more voices, more like positions of power. And like this thing is all ladies all the time in the financing, business, creative, writing, like all of those things. I just think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's super impressive. And, you know, they've worked with each other on and off for a long time. And it seems like they're kind of a special team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's going to come through in this interview you guys mm -hmm. are about to hear because the interview is fantastic. We get into the themes, we talk about the visual style of the film, but also, like I said, we talk about the business end of things and financing, like all those things that we always kind of like, it's like on the fringe of our conversations because it's like the, the it's the unseen part that often has like a lot of like control and, and puts a lot of like gatekeeping up around filmmaking. So to get to get into some of that was really interesting. Um, and then we also get to hear about all the crazy, crazy stuff that went into the inspiration behind the <laughs> writing of this film. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I am so excited for people to hear this one because there was information that was shared that I did not expect. Totally caught mm -hmm. me off guard. And they gave us a ton of their time. So it's a good yeah. long interview. We really get yeah. to go into detail about things, yeah. which is really nice because sometimes we just get, you know, 10 or 20 minutes. So Right. And we're grateful for whatever oh, we get. But like you can't like I always want to drill down like you have to get those high level questions and that eats up a bunch of your time. And I want to drill down into my like weird conspiracy. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes. And we got to, and I feel like we learned some interest. There's at one point where you and I, like in stereo, were like, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by that. All right. So before we get into the interview, let's, I want to know a little bit more about these women. Ariel, tell me about Mercedes, Leah, and Katrina. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about all three of them. Mercedes Bryce Morgan is the director. Leah Marie Saint is the writer. And Katrina Kudlick is the producer. All three of them are queer women, which is pretty amazing Woo! to have that behind the camera. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, Mercedes Bryce Morgan and Katrina Kudlick are actually a couple, too. Oh, I love that. I know. I love the I, we, we stand a creative couple. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Mercedes is a queer Latinx director, producer, and screenwriter who's been working steadily for the past decade directing short films, TV series, and music videos, including a bunch for Marshmallow. You know that DJ guy with the marshmallow head? What? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. She's yes. directed a bunch of his 
music videos. <laughs> oh my, I mean, I will say that there is such creative flair in this. I'm not surprised that yeah. she's found a lot of work in music videos. <laughs> yeah, it actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So she actually has two movies coming out this year. She made her feature length directorial debut last year when her film, a thriller called Fixation, premiered at TIFF. She then directed the movie today we're talking about, Spoonful of Sugar, which hit Shutter on March 2nd. And Fixation, unfortunately, isn't out for wide release yet, but will be later this year. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I guess we'll be revisiting this. Yeah. <laughs> so Leah Marie Saint is actually a former investigative journalist turned writer. She talks a little bit about this in our interview, and you're going to want to stay tuned for that. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so she's not just a writer, she's also a director and a producer. Her career as an investigative journalist is fascinating and includes serial killers and also <laughs> the fact that she exonerated a man from prison who was wrongly convicted and spent 25 years behind bars. What? I did not know that before the interview or I would have asked her about that part Holy of it. Shit. Are you serious? Yeah, I really want to get her back on so that I can talk to her about that. You know, she has another movie. I know, I know. I know. Slide into those DMs again. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Oh my God, she's like... Not just an amazing writer and journalist, she's also a literal hero. Yeah. What the hell? I know. <laughs> Way to make the rest of us look bad. <laughs> Before she began screenwriting, she spent 10 years working as a projectionist where she even lived in an old movie theater on Block Island in Rhode Island. What? <laughs> Are you serious? She's and so interesting. She studied movie stunt work with a stunt family in Virginia for a while, too. I'm okay. You know, like in, I know we don't care for Harry Potter anymore because fuck that turf, but there's a thing that in those that I always think about where Hermione gets the like time turner yes, so that she can take more classes. Is there like a life version of the time turner? How do you fit kind of this much like life it. into a life? Like, I feel I like I'm know. busy and I stay busy and I do things and I experience things and I but go not like that. <laughs> but like, I feel like each of these things are like lifetime accomplishments that she's squeezed into a lifetime that's crazy yeah exactly so she has written and directed a number of short films including good girl which won the paris international film festival when it came out now spoonful of sugar is actually her first feature-length film that she wrote the script for but she is also currently in production on two short films she's directing and a awesome. feature-length film that she's also directing that she talks about in the interview. So you'll have to wait and find in out about interview. that. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> now, <laughs> Katrina Kudlig is the producer. She's also a writer, and she founded Fever Dream Studios, an L.A.-based production company whose mission is to subvert stereotypes, genre, and format, which cool. makes a lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> she's been working as a producer for more than a decade, mostly for music videos and films, including a horror movie called The Believer that came out in 2021, and Fixation, the film I mentioned, Mercedes directing, which was co-written oh. by Katrina. And awesome. Then, I can't wait to see it. I know. And then uh, she produced Spoonful of Sugar alongside two other producers. And as for what she's up to next, she has a couple of upcoming projects that she talks about in the interview. But I think you and I are both most excited ah! for a film called Appendage <laughs> that she produced yes! because we watched this film it's based on when we reviewed all those bite-sized Hulu Halloween shorts yes! in 2021. And we and loved it. it. Probably our, if not yeah. our favorite, like in the top 
three, 100%, yes. maybe top two. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm just saying not number one because I can't remember if there was one we liked more. And I don't want to have, you know, like if I said something different previously, I don't want to be like lying. <laughs> but it's the one that I remember the most. Yeah. Oh, it you know is so I mean? memorable. And the creature mm-hmm. effects, I'm very excited to see what a full length version will be like. And it's going to be directed by a woman. So, oh, God, yes. <laughs> you know, between you and I, I think I already actually have a screener for it. But Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so exciting. I when well, I mean, the listeners will hear it, but when she said it, both of us just like screamed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't realize she was attached to that, you know? No. And it's like one of our most anticipated movies this year. Yeah. Just like coincidentally. Yes. Ugh, that's so exciting. Well, they're amazing. I say this every time, but I'm always blown away by the, like, how badass these women are, the tenacity that they have, the drive that they have, the confidence, and, like, being able to, like, beat back that, like, imposter syndrome that plagues me every day. Um, I always find this deeply inspiring. And watching, seeing the singular women do it is really impressive. But there was something even, maybe even more special about watching this, like, community of women, like, talking about this film that they made together. And, like, feeling that you know that this is not a flash in the pan. Like, they're going to continue to work together and make art together, um, separately and together, and build like lift each other up in the process and that is really exciting because that's the, that's the dream right that's the oh, dream yeah. that we yeah have that kind absolutely of and they they talk about that some in the interview that mm-hmm. you know that they want to continue working together and uplift not just their own voices but other women as well so very exciting well, Ariel, what do you say we uplift their voices with a quick little non-spoilery review of Spoonful of Sugar so that people know, you know, where we landed on this and if they should seek it out before getting into the interview. Yeah, Sound let's good? do it. Okay, cool. So I'm going to give you a, a minor synopsis. There are not any major spoilers here. I really did try to like keep it pretty vague. But if you are someone who likes to go in totally cold, just to be aware that there is some like setup information in this in this uh synopsis all right so millicent is a young seemingly naive college student who has had to take a break from school um she needs to get some level of psychiatric care presumably from ptsd i would assume based on the treatment plan which involves some microdosing of lsd during this time, you know, a girl's got to eat. So she takes a job as a nanny for a child named Johnny who has quite a set of issues. He's largely nonverbal and his parents believe that some of his behavioral issues may have to do with just like a ton of food allergies. And as someone with food allergies, relatable, and I would like to blame all my bad behavior on it. <laughs> if I didn't realize that was an option. But yeah, that time I hurt your feelings, that was definitely because I had a banana. I just, <laughs> I, I, out of my hands, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but no, but seriously, his, his allergies are so intense and he's so fragile that they make him wear essentially like an astronaut suit when he goes outside. Yeah, I mean, it really looks like a kid's astronaut suit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like if you had to wear that kind of outfit outside for protective, like, I kind of love that it's like, I mean, adds that would be a way to convince element. a small kid to wear it, you know, if it looked cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, like, I just remember there was always that kid in class. I don't know if this is still even a thing that had like the headgear they had to wear. Oh, right. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, if there I was haven't seen a kid in headgear in a very long time. I bet that's not a thing anymore. Have we moved 
forward as a as a nation <laughs> as like as a nation of orthodontists that no longer require headgear because i mean there was also that kid who clearly wore headgear to bed because they'd have headgear head in the morning <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't know i'm sidetracking because it's been a long day anyway so she takes this job and she insinuates herself into their lives she gets very connected to johnny and she starts to kind of see the seams in the family you know this family is <laughs> complicated dad has a bit of a wandering eye mom is intent on being the perfect mother to the point that seems a little abusive you might say um and millicent thinks she knows best you know she's our she's our our anti-hero our protagonist our queen our queen um she thinks she knows all the the problems to answer um she thinks she knows the answers to all of johnny's problems and she begins medicating him as well and um I wouldn't say that it goes super well. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, for the reasons that you think, the obvious reasons, but also maybe some you don't expect. Oh, yeah. So that is Spoonful of Sugar. Ariel, without spoiling the film, what did you think of Spoonful of Sugar? Yeah, I really liked this one. It's super unique, I think, in a lot of ways, especially the plot beats. There were a lot of them that I did not expect, <laughs> even oh, when I thought yeah. I knew where it was going. Mm -hmm. I also think it's always exciting to me when we have women in films acting outside of societal norms, even when they're behaving mm -hmm. badly. We always love to see that. And here you get it with Millicent, our sort of main character, but also with the mother character, too, which mm -hmm. is very interesting, the ways that this movie explores motherhood and the trials and tribulations that can come from that, how fraught it can be. And frankly, all the relationships in this film are, are very, uh, let's just say, toxic and layered. <laughs> <laughs> they are those things, correct. <laughs> I think it's a plot around the microdosing of LSD and the ways in which she uses that to kind of manipulate the situation with the sun is super interesting and also the way that it's filmed. So that you know that when they're like high, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really like that. But I think that I would say my only criticism would be that there are a lot of themes in this movie and a lot of different plot lines that come together. And I think it can sometimes get a little bit messy. But the ending is probably oh my, my God, favorite part of the film. It builds up and up with all this sort of tension and you think you know where it's going to go, but it goes in this other bonkers, unexpected direction. And mm -hmm. the last and final beat of the movie is real good <laughs> it's real good it's yeah. real good yeah i mean for me as you know there are a few things in life that i enjoy and find more catharsis in than a complicated angry fe like female anti-hero yeah and boy does this movie give you that <laughs> <laughs> and that and the, and like that's not all it also pre like it presents the character like in the setting of my truly like one of my favorite subgenres, which is the erotic thriller yeah um i grew up on those like in the 90s early 2000s and like the heyday of the like kim basinger like sexy film or like oh yeah all of those i even the one they're so problematic they're such a mess but like <laughs> they got me when i was young and so i have a deep like affinity for them mm -hmm. and what i love is that it takes some of the elements of that that like speak to you know like way too young to be watching this baby rachel um and modernizes it and in part the way that they do that is with this millicent character like she is as she's the femme fatale type of character right that um typically is presented as 
dangerous but like in like a, in a villainous kind of way whereas here like because she's your lead character it's a little more complicated than that and when she's terrible you can't help but kind of be drawn to her as right. a result of it um and so it, it kind of it like it flips the narrative around that character that was like very cookie cutter in those films um and it, it's played to perfection by morgan sailor who is so good in this um like i i can't take credit for this but i think that this is a very apt um uh description of her that she is both little red riding hood and the big bad wolf in one body oh that's interesting yeah i mean especially I when you think that. about like mm-hmm. almost like the fairy tale like appearance like the hair with the braids and everything i would say that in the language of the erotic thriller this is definitely more in the vein of like a last seduction than a fatal attraction (laughs) that's true (laughs) my fellow erotic thriller fans know what i'm saying (laughs) um yeah so ultimately this movie is kind of about like not only is it not a good idea to judge a book by its cover like ethically but actually it's quite dangerous to do so yeah it's it's inadvisable don't do it don't do it the movie visually is very unique it's like we talked a little bit about the surreal aspects of it because of the microdosing. like there's a really cool thing with a finger yes. scooting across the floor or there's like a demon guy that i really liked in the opening scene um but there's even more so i just think like the dark gray color palette of this film is really interesting because it makes the world feel so small like it's oppressive and claustrophobic in like mm. how low the sky always feels even when you're outside it feels like crushingly asphyxiatingly intimate which is perfect for a story like this that is like largely very self-contained. Yeah, I don't know. Visually, very cool choices being made. And that final shot, which we'll talk about in the interview, yes, um, is one that's <laughs> going to stay with me for a really long time. Um, sometimes I have impatience with the movies that are too surreal because I think I'm more narrative-driven. I appreciate cool visuals, but I want a yarn. I want yeah, you, you to need, tell me a story. You need story. good narrative around it. Yeah. It can't, the whole I, thing can't be surreal or you lose patience. Yeah. Yes. That's why I think I'm more of a Brandon Cronenberg than a David Cronenberg person, mm, but that's a whole okay. other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what I appreciate is that we get sort of the really cool surreal visual moments without ever really losing the plot. So if you're like me, that's another in the pro column for this film. Um But yeah, ultimately, I really loved this movie. I think it busts formula in ways that I think are really interesting and it subverts expectations of where you think this is going quite a few times. It's very, very good at obscuring its hand before it plays its cards. And uh, the reveal feels like a reveal. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. (laughs) It gets you. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my ultimate takeaway is if this looked interesting to you or you're curious about it and you don't like spoilers, you should absolutely watch this before you listen to the interview simply because we do get into some of those later plot beats that are so much fun to see play out within the film yeah Um, yeah we definitely get into some things in detail so if that's something that would bother you head on over to shutter because it's available there now that's where i watched it and i mean everybody please get shutter i don't want it to go away (laughs) i fucking love shutter so much i know they're such a great home for unique voices and horror and women Mm -hmm. directors and we would be very sad if they left yeah yeah all right awesome well what do you say we get into our interview with mercedes leah and katrina yes please Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we have some amazing guests joining us today. 
the trifecta, the triumvirate, the mm -hmm. threesome, no, no, too far, <laughs> of Mercedes, Bryce Morgan, Leah St. Marie, and Katrina Kudlick, the director, writer, and producer of the excellent new Shudder film, Spoonful of Sugar. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. This is such a treat. We are so excited to talk about your film. We watched it, then we watched it again, and then we just obsessively have been talking about it, and we have lots and lots of questions. Amazing. Love so, to hear that. <laughs> so, okay. This first question is actually really for all three of you. Um, it's wonderful to meet you, first of all. But one of the things we always talk about on the show is that making a film feels like a minor miracle, you know, like there's so much that has to go into it and so much that has to come together. And it's such a long process. Typically, I want to know from you guys how it feels to be on the other side of putting together something and then finally getting to have see other people experience it. And now that it's on shutter. Totally. Um, so I mean, Leah, do you want to take it off first? And then I'll kind of talk about how how we met and the script came about. Yeah, so I finished this I finished the script in 2016 after I'd been writing something for um, James Franco, actually, during his masterclass days. And I was really sick and tired of writing other people's dreams. I'm like, F that. I'm going to write what I want to write. And thus, this was born. Um, <laughs> to go, I, you said spoilers. Yeah, go okay? for it. Totally. Great. So I have my I have my master's degree in investigative journalism. And as part of that program, I did my master's thesis on female serial killers. Oh. So I had all of this research that I was like trying to create a better profiling system for the FBI to catch female serial killers because they have longer careers and higher kill counts than their male counterpart. And so Amazing. a lot of that research went into the psychology of uh, this oh, film. Oh, so interesting. And then... And then uh, Mercedes and I were introduced. Yeah. I mean, I basically, I had two separate people send me Leah's script being like, this is amazing. Like, you would absolutely love this. Um, and so I started reading it and I read it in less than an hour. I couldn't put it down. I was like, this, I want to make this. And it's kind of what Leah said in a way where I come from the commercial world. I've done a lot of studio projects and I had done a lot of projects where I'd get notes that would be like this makes me feel uncomfortable and for me i'd be like thank you that's like a great compliment <laughs> no 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 that means like change it and i'm like but that's but we wanted to make people feel uncomfortable and so i wanted to feel uncomfortable and make other people feel uncomfortable and this did that and it was just kind of something where it was like allowing us to be ourselves and so mm. you know it's a it's a wacky project it it's it's like for some people, they're like, ooh, that makes me feel a weird way. Um, but then I was like, Katrina, I feel like this is you too. And we came to Vanishing Angle. And I think it's like, it's the kind of project where when people love it, they love it. And it's for them. And other people are like, oh, I don't know. And we love the people who <laughs> love it. Because <laughs> yeah. those are our people. Um, and Katrina, mm -hmm. you should tell the story about the investor that you Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, we found I, our people. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's always so about finding like the right partners for something right like it's like there's there's so many movies there's so much out there so it's it's finding the people that really connect with it and like when we were trying to initially find the right partners for us I remember we showed it to one investor and one one of the best reactions that we ever got I feel like me and Mercedes both on anything was someone read it and was like 
I um, needed to go home and hug my kids afterwards. It's not for me. Um, <laughs> 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 and, you know, it's such a compliment in a weird way yeah. because it had affected them so much, you know? And it's like, yeah. it's very rare that you can make something that people like genuinely remember, right? And genuinely respond to. And so, you know, it took a little bit, a little bit longer after that. But, um, oh, yeah, three I don't minutes till the reaction. Hold on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great, a great sound cue. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, can you hear me? That was great. I felt like we were in the, watching them. Sorry, go ahead. An episode of like Friends or something. Yeah, I think yes! I something yes! like earlier. Yes! Um, and it just went off. That was great. Um, you guys are all and and Friends meets Spoonful Sugar. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, honestly, like yeah. in, in terms of like the partnership, it, it was really, really great. And when we found Vanishing Angle, like because Mercedes had already worked with them, that was just so, so perfect. Um, and bringing it to Shutter was obviously like the right partnership for this. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Was it ever a problem trying to get funding for a project helmed by women? Was that ever an issue? I mean. <laughs> I don't think it was, I don't think it was a, an issue with what's really interesting is I feel like what I've experienced anyway, as a director is people are really, really wanting women to come more into the space. And so we're seeing a lot of women start out with, you know, these, these small budget movies. It's about getting women past that point yeah. that I feel like is the issue. Right. So people are like, let's right. do this, but it's like, okay, keep going. So I don't feel like that was an issue for us because I do feel like now is the time. It's just, we need to make it continue to be the time for people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially with those bigger budgets for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's exciting because it seems like you are maybe getting over this wall because like you said, you're kind of working on a new project soon and or currently. So that, that feels like progress. Does it feel, <laughs> do you feel like things are changing? Cause like we've talked to a lot of amazing women who are making films and, and we always want to know like if externally it looks like things are changing, but you know, on the front line, people having to like fight their way to make these th things happen. Does it feel like it's changing on your end? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'm very, very grateful. Um, like this is, I'm working on my my third horror feature right now. <laughs> and oh, I'm, I'm just very grateful for that. And so it's hard to tell because everyone's experience is relative, but I can say that I have seen more women on set more now than ever before. I remember the first short film I ever made. Um, there was this guy in my film school who went, Mercedes, it's so you. Um, it has a woman protagonist. And I'm like, there's so many ways you could describe this but woman is not the only adjective right <laughs> right right so I would say in that sense I haven't gotten a note like that since a, you know years so in that sense yes it's getting better I think people are aware they're not supposed to say stuff like that anymore. hopefully they're not well that feels like improvement yeah I think I I think one of the things that that I see that is difficult in the space that we're in, in the film industry that we're in is most of the time the investors are male. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And I have, I, I have not seen that change. Um, I would love to see that change. I would love to see more, more women, but I think it's, I think it's a case of we're dealing with decades and decades of women not having powerful roles or enough powerful roles. And, and that leads to not having the money to invest. Yeah. 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 
we're breaking, hopefully we're breaking that cycle. Yeah. When I have money, I'm definitely going to invest in uh, female driven, female led <laughs> projects. And I, and I request on, on my end, like I request, I request to have uh, female producers on, on my film. That's who I want to work with. Is that Sir? Honestly, Sir is a male cat, but he's just yelling for it. Like, he's like, the future is female. I'm throwing support. And Sir is yelling for the ladies. To echo Sir's very, very astute point, I do think that, like, you know, like, I probably feel like in between the two points that you guys, you both just made, oh man, Sir, hi. He's <laughs> still very vocal about it, and he needs his, like, you know, he needs his centerpiece. Um, but, but, uh, but honestly, like, I think that, like, we're we're so there to support each other, and like, even like mm-hmm. having a, you know, having a podcast like this, and like having like a, you know, a, a community yeah. where people are uplifting each other's voices. I think is is really important, and just kind of what we can do, right? Like, we're kind of mm-hmm. just in this place where we're. We're, we're trying to support everything that we possibly can and do do what is in our mm-hmm. power to do. And there's there's kind of a lot when you have, like, the power of the, the internet yeah. and different mm-hmm. voices. And I think that, you know, I think that people want to see movies um, directed and made by all types of people now, um, which yeah. hopefully should be more evidenced in what we're seeing. So I think it's just, you know, if we're behind in any way, it's – we're just catching up. Yeah. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, I love that idea of solidarity and that as you find success, you want to mm-hmm. pull other women up with you. I think that's really awesome. I mean, we just yeah. we love that this film is spearheaded by a trio of women. That's really amazing. Was that a priority for all of you? Like, was it important to create a film with so many women behind the camera? Yeah, like it definitely. naturally happened. But like, yeah, yeah. it's important. It's but close. like. It's- <laughs> It's both, right? Like it's also like, two other mm-hmm. producers on the film, also Natalie Metzger um, and Matt Miller, and they they both were were fantastic. And I, I feel like our our crew was very, I mean, it was like a lot a lot of women, um, a lot of like queer voices for sure, which is mm-hmm. great. yeah, we love awesome. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, also, yeah. I don't think yeah. anybody else could have told a story like this. Like, this is a story at its core that's about family, yeah. and and essentially it's about what is motherhood, and mm-hmm. what do you do as a mother, and what length do you go to to protect your family? And if you're right. thinking if you're thinking about that, I I really don't think that this story would have been told the right way if it hadn't been in in the expert hands of Mercedes. Or Katrina. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, to your point, I don't think horror has ever been more interesting than it is now than it is right now. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of it has to do with the diversity of voices and telling stories that even if it's not exactly your lived experience, like I assume none of you are serial killers, but you can infuse <laughs> it with like with your lived experience and that lends mm-hmm. it an authenticity. And you know. I I think the sort of like battle of the two maternal figures is like central to this story is so fascinating. And now, Leah, you talked a little bit about how your 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 background in criminology informed this, but mm-hmm. there's so much more to this. There's so many layers to this story. Can can you talk a little bit about the other th- elements that you pulled in? Would like this motherhood, this like, because it feels like you know motherhood is often so 
it's so fraught. You can never do it right. It's so criticized. <laughs> and so like there, there's some of like almost like internalized some of that energy in this. Can you talk a little bit about, about yeah. Yeah, those elements? I think it boils down to the gift of fear. Right. So you walk through the world as a woman, you walk across the crosswalk, you walk down the sidewalk, you go to bars, you go to parties. And I think Promising Young Woman does a great job of doing this where you're always on high alert. Like I go on a date and I have to tell a buddy I'm going with this person. This is their name. This is phone number. This is where I'm meeting them. This is when I'm going out. This is when I'm coming home. My friend, I have a white male friend who jogs at 3 a.m. in the worst parts oh of L.A. Goodness. I'm like, I could <laughs> no. never, I could never do that. Like, I, I go out on a social occasion and I'm fighting for my life. I have, like, so much fear in living. And I, I think that there's an infusion of that fear, that gift of fear in this story. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. I can, and there, it makes Millicent almost a little bit. I mean, obviously she's she's bad news. I know, but there is some wish fulfillment in seeing the way that she moves the world without fear, because yeah. she's the sort of she's the shark in the water. You know, even though she mm-hmm. she looks like you know not that she looks like the goldfish, but she's actually the shark in the water is always <laughs> something I respond really well to because I think I crave that kind yeah. of be able to move through the world with that kind of freedom. Yeah, I think there's an exchange of power going on with all of the main, all of those female figures in in this story. Like, who has the power? Because it's never about sex, right? Rebecca and Jacob. It's never about sex. It's about who has the power in this scenario. And yeah. Millicent coming in, and she's just this ultimate power goddess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Um, now. Speaking of sex, I guess, <laughs> um, there are quite a few <laughs> sex scenes in this film. And I guess I was wondering if you got any pushback for wanting to include them in your movie. No. So I'm actually seeing something really interesting within the industry right now, where a couple years ago, people were really, I would make pitch decks or go pitch movies and people are like, don't make it sexual, like take it out. And what's mm. interesting is with pitch decks I've been doing recently, people are like, put it in. Like people are looking mm-hmm. for what the new erotic thriller is, which I'm so excited mm-hmm. about because I love erotic thrillers, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so we didn't receive any pushback in that sense because also I think that's kind of what the script is. And so if someone, if people gave us pushback, that's why those are the people we didn't make the movie with. Right. <laughs> right. You can't really take it out of the movie. It's there. Yeah. Like they do have sex in the backyard in the middle of the day. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it shows yeah. you so much about like the power <laughs> dynamics that are happening in the movie. And so if you remove them, I think it would really change the whole trajectory, you know? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And also just like to even speak to like the behind the scenes nature of it also. Like, I feel like um, it's me moving my cat out of the way again. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's like, um, you know, we obviously had an intimacy coordinator on set, which is so incredibly vital. Mm. Um, and I think that I, I think it's so wild that that wasn't just, you know, naturally assumed on so many films before now. Um, but I, I like to think that we, you know, with a lot of lot of respect and care and previous conversations handled all of the scenes that like we we dealt with and like I know that Mercedes talked a lot with our intimacy coordinator and talked a lot with these actors and and, and our intimacy coordinator also had separate conversations with all of our actors so it made it so that I think that those scenes were able to play very very naturally on camera because mm-hmm. they were you know very very talked about um, and everyone mm-hmm. was very much on board with what they were what they were doing and also like I know that you also had conversations with them too, Mercedes, to make sure that this felt like really important 
to the, the to the actual characters. So it wasn't gratuitous. It's not. Yeah. It's not like it's un, unnecessary. It, it really is what a part of what the movie's about. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, I feel like a rule that we have is if you could take the sex scene out of the movie, the sex scene shouldn't be there. It should be, this is subtextually Mm -hmm. what's happening with the characters. This is how we think differently about them. Or they make a a choice that's different after they have this scene. And that's how Mm -hmm. we know it's not gratuitous. Exactly. Yeah. And we want the people to, we want everyone to feel that way too on set so that everyone's on board. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that the sex scenes are essential pieces of it. Mm-hmm. I also love an erotic thriller, so I'm not going to be prudish about <laughs> it generally. But I do think so much of the like the power dynamic and like also the trying to get inside Millicent's head is like those sex scenes are where she's in some ways most revealing. And so I I'm they're fascinating for a lot of different reasons. You know, I think that's really there's a complexity to them that makes them really essential to the story. I love it. It's just so twisty and turny. And and as you're saying this thing about erotic thriller, I'm realizing it does share DNA with the movies that I grew up absolutely obsessed with, like uh, like a, you know, like a basic instinct era kind mm-hmm. of film. Totally. And there's so many twists and turns. I'd love to know, you know, trying to write a script like that and keep so many secrets until they're revealed late in the film. And, and, and as a director kind of nodding to these things and tipping your hands to what's, what's coming without giving it away. How do you guys find that balance? I think totally. I mean, something, Oh, go for it. Leah. No, well, first. mine was a handoff compliment where I was like, it was in the script, but Mercedes <laughs> did just a masterful job of making it a thousand times better. Thanks, Leah. Um, couldn't have done it without your script. We're just going <laughs> to compliment each other because we love each other. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, something that we like to do with our movies is we'll have screenings when we're in the editing process. We'll show it to people and we'll go, okay, at 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 an hour, what do you think is going to happen? And just have people positively write down. And if we're predictable, oh. we edit it to oh. make sense of that. And so it's very carefully crafted because – you know, it also depends how many horror movies people mm-hmm. have watched. Like, it was really cool because I think we screened it. I think it ended up being like 80 people by the time we were done. And by the time we got to the last round of the edit, one person guessed the twist at the end. We're like, that's okay. This person watches like, <laughs> you know, 2,000 horror movies. Like, of course, you know, like, cool, like, respect. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's something we work really really hard for. Um, so that's a great compliment. That you know, seeing that people don't guess it is yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, we're seasoned <laughs> yeah. horror watchers, and that final twist it got me, gal. Yeah, yeah. That, me. that last beat, I was like, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things I love about your love movie that. too is that. Yeah no character is innocent here basically i mean just about Mm -hmm. every character has some darkness in them that's revealed throughout your script and movie and so why did you decide to kind of go in that untraditional direction where there isn't like a a hero or protagonist of the story that is an innocent bystander i mean totally leah you should take this i don't uh, yeah that's that's a great question and it was done on purpose and i got that note a lot of i need to i needed to make them more relatable or i needed to have them have more fun together or something (laughs) i was like that's not this world i love when i'm not bored in 
in an audience situation and I love when I can't guess the ending and I wanted to give both of those things to horror fans because I am a huge horror fan so hopefully mm-hmm. that answers your yeah. question <laughs> yeah no absolutely. I mean nothing makes me happier than thinking I know oh it's going to be A or B and then mm-hmm. you come out of nowhere with C that's yeah, my favorite so kind of storytelling yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it, it feels like well it feels dangerously a danger we're so hardly surprised anymore like mm-hmm. I always know when somebody's coming over because they'll text me uh, things are arranged and we live in this box society where everything uh, expected happens. Right. People know the gender of their, their, their babies. Um, I think one of the only ways that we get surprised anymore is acts of nature or horror films. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're not wrong. (laughs) Um, I mean, like talking to you was so exciting because I mean I I could feel what a thoughtful sort of person was and people were behind this film because like I said it's so sort of thematically dense and you're touching on so many you're weaving in all of these different themes and ideas that I think are really really fascinating including kind of the MacGuffin of the piece which is like the micro dosing of the LSD and and I want to know how that was came into the story and um for Katrina and Mercedes like um if the if what that meant for you in terms of being able to kind of play in the surreal totally I mean we love the surreal Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I feel like you know I feel like LSD is a great way to get Mm -hmm. into it and allow us to explore um but I think also something that's really important to us is when we made this, we said, okay, we don't want to make a movie that paints LSD right. badly. It's about yeah. how people use right. it. Right. <laughs> and Millicent chooses to use it in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not to paint it as a whole. Um, but I think we've, we've had psychedelics in a lot of our stories. And so we're like, oh, let's do something different with it this time. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I so agree with that. I feel like it's also like, there's not, I haven't seen that many, psychedelic stories be told so I feel like that was something that was really unique about it that was exciting mm-hmm. I mean there, there definitely are some for sure but it was it was exciting to have like our own our own take on that um for sure and like like Mercedes said it was very important to us that no one no one thought that we were taking um a stance or giving an opinion on LSD mm-hmm. as a whole it was just supposed to be about Millicent's specific experience with it and having fun mm-hmm. with that totally yeah and then one more add-on to that too i feel like lsd kind of shows people's true Mm, colors that's interesting and so thematically for us all these people are people who are not showing their true colors and then you add that into the equation and it really just kind of yeah (laughs) (laughs) like Like, oh that's who they are (laughs) oh yes it's also like people talking so much about the, the medical nature of LSD right now and how that's like a, yes, a right. current topic that people mm-hmm. are talking about. Not to say that we're adding any definitive news to the, no. the <laughs> equation, but it, it's something really, really interesting to be to be talking about. And I think that um, while I can't say that Millicent necessarily went about it the right way, um, right. It, it, it's interesting to debate for sure. And it hopefully brings up conversations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like such a modern element because like, yeah, like, like 
that's such a part of sort of mental health right now. It's like a, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a growing. You're on. You're on the forefront. This is a very modern um, <laughs> inclusion in this film. Yeah. It's so so, Leo. Like, how did that come into the when you were writing the story? How did that sort of like become a part of it? So the story originally was a period piece set in the 1960s, and I'd done a lot of research on how they were using LSD in order to, you know, before it was banned in 1963, and um, what's his name who wrote, Ken Kesey wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, like he was really deep into that research as well. And they were using it to help expand the mind and be creative, and, you know, the war program was using it, but I was using it in the script for this child to see if this babysitter could open up his mind and make him be able to speak, right? And I got right. a lot of inspiration in an odd way from, and I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with the story or not, but this woman back in the 60s was using LSD to dose a dolphin. Do you know this story? Oh, yes. Yeah, so she, she filled up a house, like the bottom of a house with, with water, and she had this dolphin, this male dolphin, and <laughs> yeah. she was using LSD to dose herself and do- dose the dolphin. And the dolphin, it's such a sad fucking story, uh, the dolphin loved, fell in love with her, and she would like perform sexual acts on this dolphin. Oh, no. And yeah. so there's a whole no. question about morality and, and what is moral, what is amoral, what is ethical, because <laughs> those are different things. Eventually, they shut the program down. Like it was a funded program. They shut it down and they moved the dolphin away from the woman. And the dolphin got so despondent. And I don't know if you know this or not, but dolphins can commit suicide by just choosing to stay at the bottom. Oh my God. Water source and not come up for air. So, so this sad. dolphin, separated from the love of his life, committed suicide. I was like, there's something, there's something in there in the beginning part of her dosing this dolphin that I want to use. So yeah. an odd inspiration. The, yes, but fascinating. fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> a wild story. Isn't there, Leah, isn't there there's a clip on YouTube that you can watch? Like I Humor. There's a drunk history episode drunk history on it. Drunk history episode. Yeah. On it. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, it's hilarious. But yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> oh. I mean, that took some turns. Definitely yeah. took some turns. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Gosh, that's that's such an interesting window into like the creative process, like where you start and where mm-hmm. you get to. I really love that. And honestly, the surrealistic LSD moments were filmed in such a cool way too. Like visually, it was really interesting to watch. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was just a very cool thing to include. Um, so, you know, Millicent, speaking of Millicent dosing a child with drugs, uh, <laughs> she's a complicated character. And, you know, it seems clear throughout the film that you kind of learn that she's been abused and taken advantage of by men in her life. But she's also like, deeply inappropriate with this child dosing him with drugs having him keep secrets from his parents (laughs) (laughs) and in the end of course we learn that she has a bit of a violent streak (laughs) um it feels like you're maybe trying to get at the cycles of abuse and i'm just wondering if that was your intention either in filming or the writing of the script or any of that 100 percent um this movie is all about the cycles it's what do we inherit from our past of what we grew up with and what do we pass on? And so all of our characters do that yeah. in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then Leah, you always, you have something interesting to say about the violence aspect too. I'll let oh, okay. Leah tell it because it was inspiration for how she wanted oh, to tell this story. Is it the, 
every woman. It's about women being violent. Oh, yes. So my favorite violent women. <laughs> when I was, yeah. When I was doing, when I was doing research for female serial killers, uh, there was this one serial killer called the giggling granny. I can't remember her name right now, but she was a black widow. So she had a bunch of husbands buried in the garden or whatever, and she was caught and she went to trial at her trial. The arresting officer, the chief of police, stood on the stand in her defense, saying that she didn't deserve to go to prison because he still thought that she couldn't be violent, even wow. after digging up the body. So there's this belief in the society that women just cannot be violent. And it's something that Millicent says at, at the end when she's talking about all of the men that she has killed, that nobody nobody would believe her. And it's a a dialogue between her and her therapist that comes up again and again, like women cannot be violent. And a lot of the female serial killers that I studied up until a certain point and up until like maybe 10, 10, 20, 30 years ago, they, they got off of their prison sentences and were, or didn't even go to trial or didn't even go to prison because people believe that women, because their mothers cannot be violent. And so they would go out and they would kill again the exact same way. Oh, that's so interesting. I remember hearing something about that with like Lizzie Borden, that the mm -hmm. reason she got away was they're like, a woman, a dainty woman could never with an ax. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but Mercedes, was that, was that what you meant? Or was it something else about women being violent? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, it's fascinating. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that aspect of it. And and those conversations she has with the therapist, like he's so incredibly patronizing and she <laughs> yeah. weaponizes that so effectively. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is the epitome of like, of a anti-hero, you know, she, yeah. terrible thing. She's doing terrible <laughs> things. Like we all, let's, we all know this. And yet you can't help root for her a little bit, mm -hmm. even though it's terrible what she's doing. And I think that speaks to like something about the film. Like it really hangs on these two incredible female lead characters and the performances of Millicent and Rebecca, who are played by Morgan Saylor and Kate Foster, who kill it in their roles, both mm -hmm. of them as these rival maternal figures. I would love to hear about the casting and maybe the moment when you knew like, oh, this is it. This is our Millicent and Rebecca. For sure. I can't, Morgan is so fantastic and specific in this role because, you know, she plays it in such a wonderfully odd way because you find out that she's tripping 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just great seeing people come in and go, why is she acting so odd? And then they realize. And so I think with Morgan, Morgan's someone that I wanted to work with for a while and Vanishing Angle had worked with her before. Um, and so we actually, Morgan was doing her finals at NYU and we were like, Morgan, our movie is going now. Like, can you please come out to LA right now? And like she did. And so Morgan would be on set for 12 hours a day and then, and her breaks would be prepping for her finals. Wow. <laughs> Which is so impressive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> dedication. Absolutely. Such dedication. Yeah. And then um, it's so funny because when I met with Kat for the first time, Kat is, Kat is very deeply and emotionally affected by things, which is what I think makes her so good at her job. But Kat was like, she can't watch horror oh, movies. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so for Kat, Kat's like, Mercedes, like when I met her, she's like, why are you making this? It's so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, 
she's like, I read it and it made me cry. And I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I think she just kind of brought that with her. And, you know, she actually, she's pregnant with her second kid right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and Katrina saw her recently and Katrina's like, this is a, a gift to you. I know. I, <laughs> I ran into her and I was like, so like, how do you feel about it? And she's like, I have like a four-year-old, like I'm pregnant with my other kid. Like I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's something that like she, she has a lot of feelings about. It's pretty great. <laughs> pretty good. But that's like what makes her such a good performer. You know, like it, it's what made her like, cause for her, I think, and like she talked about it with you too, Mercedes, like she was so invested in playing that, like, um, that mother role in such a like really um, authentic way, right? Where she like really, really cared about her son who is this, I mean, as we come to learn, um, very, very, very intense um, being who's dealing with a lot personally. And so I think that she like, you know, because uh, because of maybe like the, the angle that she took from it was like so much more of like from a, from a dramatic piece where she wasn't even coming in it from a horror angle and maybe that made it a little bit more horrifying, hopefully, for people to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it adds these layers of to the performance, right? Because I think on a surface level, if you just on paper, her behavior is it's quite upsetting. It's 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 you know, like the, the way that she parents is very, I mean, we, we come to understand later, like it's misunderstood as off, mothers often are, right? Their motivations are misunderstood, but like, she is pretty physically aggressive with him and, yeah. um, and with not, you know, like the, some of her behaviors come off, um, pretty hard and harsh and you could see her being kind of villainous. And, but then there is like this underpinning of sadness and ache that I think comes from that performance that really it allows you to connect with her, even though she's sort of the antagonist to, to Millicent and really connect with both of these women and feel invested in both of them, which to me is like the best kind of rivalries where you don't have a, you have, you feel a conflict. And I feel like when I watched this, I felt a real conflict about both of them because I, I liked things about each of them. Um, and it was so unclear who the hero and the villain was. And then turns out there really wasn't one or the other. <laughs> so, yeah. Not really either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like us, I feel like the response online has been really positive as it should be. Um, because like I said, these performances and these excellent twists, um, you know, the one place we've seen a little bit of pushback is people talking about the Johnny character as in some ways initially being coded as being potentially on the autism spectrum. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on your intentions around that character and your response to any, if you've seen any of that criticism. Yeah. Um, I, I can jump in on this and say that my original okay. idea for this script was combining two different films, two different characters in two different films. So I pitched it like this originally. What if Lolita were Halloween Mike Myers' babysitter when he was a little kid? Oh, interesting. interesting. I like so, this. So if you know if you know the mythology, and there's a bunch of little Easter eggs to a bunch of different horror movies in this and in, in this. Um, but for the Mike Myers stuff, like if you know the mythology of Mike Myers, you know that um he is painted as just pure evil. There is no reason behind it. Right. I mean, if you if you skip if you skip the 
the second is it the second one or the third one where they try to get into the like the witchy stuff oh the, if, you the, skip, if you skip yeah that one, cult of thorn <laughs> yeah 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 if you, if you skip that then he's just pure evil so what if you have a kid who's just pure evil that's all right okay. but mercedes yeah. has something to say as well definitely i mean there's also um there's also a line in the movie that specifically dismisses it being mm-hmm. autism because this is something we were very aware of and so i think people are maybe maybe missing yeah. that because basically what it's supposed to be is they don't know what it is and so they're trying to mm-hmm. line up symptoms and so at one time she's desperate right she's like it's allergies it might be this mm-hmm. and so that's something that they had what's what happened throughout so that is 100 percent not our and that's something okay. that they did in in um, rob zombie's remake of halloween is you know all those characters come in and they have a different reason for why mike myers is the way that he is and right. one of them's like it's it was his diet so i was like that's kind of cool what if it's what if it's allergies what if they think it's allergies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the Mike Myers thing like definitely makes perfect sense to me. As soon as you said the the thing yeah. about you know, I was like, oh, of course, of course, it's yeah. Michael Myers. Yeah, That's- I hadn't seen that either. That's super interesting. It's a it's a different take on it. I almost want to watch it again just from that mm-hmm. lens. Now, well, yeah, for that and many reasons, I want to watch yeah. it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think also there's kind of. There's a persona element here when you watch persona, mm-hmm. like people want to put this thing on this person who doesn't speak right. and you fall in love with them because the protagonist is and Johnny isn't doing anything mm-hmm. like Millicent, you know, they have the scene on the hill and they're yeah. connecting. He's just listening to her. Right. And so I feel like we as an audience are putting this on him. He's not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's Millicent who's putting us on him and us because we're like, look at this child. Right. right. You're so right. And so I hope when people look back and watch it through that lens, they'll realize like, oh, my God, like, why did we do this? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. That's so. But we want to because yeah. he is he's such a sweet face. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's interesting <laughs> yeah. about the audience projecting things on yeah. him that maybe you didn't intend to begin with. Yeah. Well, we loved the ending of this movie so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Yay. twist and the post credits kind of slow pan that shows you a bunch of stuff. And the way that it just subverts your expectations as an audience member because you think one thing has been happening, but really it's also this other thing. Can you talk a little bit about that choice and filming that scene? Are you talking about the ending? Yeah. Oh my God. It is yes. so amazing. <laughs> yeah. It is so amazing. It's so. Because you think villain is in the end, right? And then you see a bigger picture and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it, like everybody is so yeah. indicted in that scene. Yeah. Like the husband, the like everybody, it's just you it, it just changes everything. <laughs> and you, as you're just slowly panning across this, and it's just getting darker and darker. <laughs> and, and I just like chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. <laughs> No, totally. I, I have to really, really thank the production team for this because, again, this was a small movie. And during production, I was like, guys, I have an ask. Can we please, like, build out the graves so we can actually oh. see this? It's it's a set, yeah. you know. It's like we literally built this dirt set and we built it up above so that people are standing on this plywood that's, like, nine feet above the ground for us to get our camera down <laughs> and be able to shoot them. Um, and even, you know, even in the grave, it's like, one of our crew members is yep. one of the bodies oh, wow. in the grave. <laughs> like people, so cool. like our our crew was like in this. They were like, "Yes, you can put death makeup on me and like put me <laughs> in dirt." 
So like, right. that's why that was possible. Yeah, in the LA cold, <laughs> yeah. mind you, too. You know, yeah, the LA cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's such a cool touch because I mean, I think we we you know what's happening, but to see it and to see the spanning of time, you know what I mean? Like it just drove it home in a way that mm-hmm. just like put a perfect button on that twist. Yeah, it's it's so cool because we already know that like Millicent has been repeating this pattern over and over again, but then to see that the family has been too is like, you know, <laughs> a little mind blowing. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any thoughts on that, Leah? Like when you were like, did you know that this was the end that you wanted for the story when you started out? Or did you kind of come to it as the like the story came to you? Oh no, Mercedes elevated this. Uh that that post credit scene, credit to her completely for it. All her ideas. Gotcha. I gotcha. the only thing the only thing that I had in the end of the end of the and we talked about this on multiple occasions and it went through um went through some notes processes but the end for me was how many apple trees mm. were there oh. in the back and each tree represented his victim count okay oh my i gotta go back <laughs> i'm doing an apple tree count <laughs> <laughs> see this is what i'm this is what i love like getting to talk to you adds so much nuance to the film i yeah. i feel like i do try to pick up on as much as i can and i tend to tw- anyone who's talked to me about movies i tend foil hat out but then i talk to you guys and i'm like see i'm not crazy there is this <laughs> much thought and effort and in like import infused into all of these decisions and mm-hmm. all of these little decisions that come together to make a film it just i don't know it's to me it feels like magic like you conjured this you know i just think it's really it's so cool yeah. Sorry, that's just me being a fan. We girl. care about the details. <laughs> yes. No, I'll hear for it. We care about the details. Like everyone, everyone thinks thought about everything that went into this movie. Yeah. Um, like very much yeah. so. So it's cool to be able to share yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we I wanted to ask this earlier and then we moved on. I, I wanted to circle back for Katrina and for Mercedes. Like there's so many, like I said, so many themes, so many ideas that this explores. What were the elements when you read the script? I know you loved it right away, but what were the the themes and things that you were most excited about to explore in this film? Oh man, I feel like there. I feel like there's so many. I remember when I watched, I I got sent it. I pushed a meeting back to finish reading it um, because I. Don't tell them. Um, <laughs> I, I was so engaged, and we get sent so many scripts, right? And it, it it's it's rare to be so so in it. And I think that, like for me, I mean, I'm a huge horror fan too. So like the the twists are really fun, right? That that element, I love the psychedelic element. But for me, like what really captured me and made me think that this is something that actually will will connect with people is it. It felt like there was these characters that all felt very right in themselves and they all like were craving love in this very deep way that maybe didn't uh didn't come off in the in so naturally in what you would expect from them right like they're all kind of like looking for love in a way that maybe isn't isn't okay um and I thought that that was that was really interesting and engaging especially because we were telling a story so much about truth and what's hidden behind like closed doors and I I just like really ended up 
I don't know, like I can't say that I related necessarily to like Millicent and her struggle with Johnny or like that to like the mom. We won't judge. We won't judge. <laughs> but, but you know what I like I I I read both of those those two women characters and I feel like I thought that they were just both kind of struggling hard to do the kind of the same thing where they yeah. both like really wanted to connect to this, like, like Mercedes said, this persona type character that's giving them nothing. Um, and they're trying so desperately hard. <laughs> and I, I found that really engaging. Um, my, uh, it, and obviously all of the, the horror elements and I knew that doing it with Mercedes, it would just be like, so um, stylistically fun um, mm. and being able to add like a little bit of flair and style to it. But that's what originally got me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like the greatest pain in this movie comes from characters not loving other characters back the way they're loving them yes. at the same time. <laughs> so Millicent loves Johnny. Johnny can't return it. Rebecca loves Johnny. It's like Jacob and Millicent's relationship, Jacob and Rebecca's. It's just turmoil and it hurts all of them yeah. so bad. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that was just really painful to see because if everyone had been matched up, it probably wouldn't have gone down in the same way. But no one's matched yeah. up. But there would have been right. apple trees and we would have been <laughs> Yeah, but in a very different movie. But, yeah, and that... Yeah, and that also it's just uh it's it's looking at family. So many movies about yeah. family, right? It's like Disney movies are like family that makes everything okay, but also family is really yeah. messy and painful sometimes. And so it's really refreshing for me like I love family movies. Um and so but I love family movies that looks at it in a really wild way. Like this movie's very different but Mission Celebration the Danish movie. Like I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so for me that's really or like very different love stories too. Like not to say yeah. like there's nothing quite okay about yes. the love story that we have, but it's like I'm a huge fan of like Harold and Maude and like other kind of mm -hmm, like yeah. where you're just like, I'm not sure. That that feels more okay. Harold and Maude is great. Like <laughs> and Harold great and movie. I'm yeah. not saying anything bad about Harold and Maude, but like, you know, like she Millicent has such a unique relationship with Johnny. Um, and I, I thought that that was I don't know. I hadn't quite seen yeah. something like that. No. This is great because yeah. she doesn't love Jacob. Yeah. yeah. What does yeah. love justify? Yeah. I think I think that's one of the core themes for this too. Uh, mm -hmm. Similar to Natural Born Killers, what does mm. love justify? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, not this, <laughs> but I'm glad I got to see it. This isn't a question. Can I just say two things I really liked about the movie? Since Always. we're in the okay, I love the way oh, the yeah. use of cosmetics to like um, explore the arc of Millicent, the way that the makeup mm -hmm. reflects her internal. I think that's really fascinating use of cosmetics, and I love the scene on the bus with the like demon guy. Just visually, yes. super cool. Really like kicked off the movie, and I was like, mm, I'm gonna get comfortable. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a couple compliments, right? Yes. <laughs> thank you no we'll take them those are like the bus scene is one of my favorites that and the masturbation mm -hmm. scene i'm like These yeah are my that one's a good one too movie, so. yeah, yeah that's another really good one yeah well i know that we have to wrap up but i just <laughs> want to ask really quickly you guys obviously are a success story here you've got this amazing movie that has come out do you have any advice for young women who want to direct write or produce movies but maybe feel like they can't or that they it's not even an option for them Definitely. I mean, I think the first thing is 
I have so much, but I'll keep it short and sweet. I think the first thing is surround yourself by people who want to do the same thing and believe in the same thing. And so it's like all three of us really just really care about the same type of art and believe in each other. And so movies take many years to make. (laughs) And so going through that with people where everyone just believes in it, no matter what, is really helpful. And I think also the other thing is just just constantly make things all the time. (laughs) So it's just like we... This movie was supposed to go and the pandemic happened and then Katrina and I made our movie fixation and the movie order got swapped and then we ended up making this later. But because we're just constantly like, we have to make something, we got to go. It just kind of yeah. lined up. Yeah. yeah. That's great yeah. advice. I'd agree. Yeah. With that. Um, yeah. And, and I, I would add to like, it's, I, I think that it's important to, um, it, it's important to like know you know, like at the at the end of the day, like what you're watching and what you're creating, it needs to be something that you're so personally excited about that it's not that it's not difficult to pitch it. So like if something's right. difficult to pitch, there's probably a reason. Like I feel like mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. that your script is not quite there if you can't say a log line and have it be immediately engaging. Like if you're kind of trying to cheat it and like find all these really fun creative ways to be like, I'm pitching the log line, but it's actually the last 10 minutes of the movie, then maybe it's not there. Um, and yeah. I, I, think, I think the same thing goes for like any, any project that you're doing, like you should be, you should be so incredibly engaged with what you're trying to make. And it should be really easy for you to pitch. Like it should be something that you could pitch to your, pitch to your grandma and pitch mm-hmm. to your parents and pitch to your friends and like kind of be able to pitch it in the same way because it's that, that exciting for you. So I feel like that paired with what Mercedes was saying about finding like the right, the right people that maybe feel the same way about that pitch. Here's the other thing too. It's like your pitch is not always going to be for everyone, but granted, if you feel Mm -hmm. really strongly about it, there's probably another audience that also feels really strongly about it. You just have to be Mm -hmm. genuine about it. Um, Mm -hmm. not be trying to like, don't try to create the thing that everyone wants to see because we're all going to get over it really fast because we're watching. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point. Yeah. I well, that's stick with you. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Leah. Sorry. Uh, so I directed my first feature film before I turned 40 um, at the height of the pandemic. And I was so afraid to do it for the longest time. And I was finally like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the thing that I know I'm going to love, even though I'm afraid of it. And one of the things that, that I did that would be my advice to your listeners is I did a GoFundMe. And I was like, hey, I'm about to turn 40. Instead of buying me a gift, donate $40 to my campaign. And I had no shame. I emailed everyone I knew. Everyone I knew. Amazing. And I, and I personally texted everyone I knew. Katrina and Mercedes donated to this campaign. And I <laughs> raised, <so> cool. <laughs> raised $7,000 for it. Wow. And I raised the rest. It was a very, very low budget Um I think our budget ended up being $30,000 because it's an art house horror film. So it wasn't, you know, huge or anything. And uh, it's called In the Light of the Moon. Hopefully you'll get to see it soon. But I would recommend, I would recommend if you want to do something, do a campaign like that. Have, have an ask. I know as women, it's very difficult for us to ask and have a call to action, but have those things. Be like, I'm about to turn 25. I've always wanted to direct a short film donate $25 to my campaign. And then whatever money you make is your budget. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, that's incredible Ugh. advice, both about just doing it with whatever resources you have, but also even if you're not doing this directly out of film school, like just go. If you want to direct, make it happen. I love that. Yeah. The tenacity. It's the tenacity yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, that's a big part of why we love doing the show and talking to women filmmakers is like we're the thing that always strikes us, no matter the background, no matter whatever the difference stories that that led them to this point like the one sort of through line the one connective tissue is just like total tenacity I find it so inspiring I always come away from these conversations even though like you hear about hardships like just being like okay but but you did it though yeah and and that's you know it's it's it's, it is the antidote to the imposter syndrome (laughs) that wants (laughs) to live in my head at all times so I I really appreciate you guys sharing that advice I think it's really great no, of course. Yeah. And I mean, just like I, I always use dating as a metaphor for filmmaking, where if it's the right person, it'll be right for both of right. them. <laughs> so it's very hard. Like you go on dates and people on both sides will experience a lot of rejection. It's really hard and it's really personal, even though it's not. But then you find the right person and like that's how yeah. it's supposed to be. Like you find your audience, <laughs> you find your people. And that's just dating. That's and that's great. Just that. <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah. on that note. <laughs> We, of course, are yes. obsessed with um, your career now. We want to see what you guys do next. All three of you are amazing. W- do you have any upcoming projects that you can tease or talk about at all Because uh, so that we can be on our radar? Definitely. I mean, so I'm I'm currently shooting my next movie in Georgia, and I can't say anything about it yet, but it is an Oh, yes. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. That's yes. really what we wanted to know. Yeah, probably next year. <laughs> yes. Is there another <laughs> horror movie coming? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then I think that we both we both have projects. I mean, me and Mercedes have another project that we're going to shoot after that that has some cast that we're really excited about, but also can't talk about um, ah! um, that. <laughs> and then me and Leah also have films that we're we're working on right now um which we're really excited about but also can't share that many details so Leah if you want to you can share a few <laughs> okay um well I have a I have a podcast that I do with uh my friend Angel and it's about how to pitch in the industry it's called pitch podcast oh, awesome. you want to listen to that um there's some good guests like these two lovely female filmmakers and some of the projects that Katrina and I are working on. I have an Italian project uh, that I'm trying to raise funds for currently over in Italy. Um, it, it has an imaginary friend and that imaginary friend is Marcello Mastriani. I guess I can say that. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's and, exciting. Then, <laughs> and then I have a personal goal, which is to have Mercedes be the first female grindhouse director of a script that I wrote. Oh my God. I'm manifesting. I'm manifesting. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Where's the GoFundMe? I got 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's going to be so good too. Um, when we make that, yeah. absolutely. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Leah, you have to say what's on the cover page of this <laughs> oh, script. Oh, yeah, it's my favorite oh, part you know of what? It. Can I can I read it verbatim? Can you give me like a minute to bring up the sure. document? Uh, yes. you know <laughs> Just, well, we have all the time. We're trying to be protective of your well, time. We will happily wait a minute. Well, while you bring that up, 
we'll, we'll just leave I you should with have, this. Uh, I should have mentioned also, I have another feature that everyone should watch called Appendage that was just premiered at South by. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. We are okay. so excited yes. about this. Yes. yes. Oh, really? we, we saw the short film. Yes. Yes. We yes. loved the short like, film. So we've been yes. waiting and waiting for oh, this to come well, out. Oh, it's coming out on Hulu right around Halloween. So Oh, my God. Ready. Amazing. <laughs> We're so excited. I'm excited about that. Leah, that was buying you time to get this. Thanks, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Okay, so should I pitch, should I do the log line and then the notes on the first page? Sure. Or? Yes. Okay, so this is called Psych Health, and it's about Jack Bunny trying to rescue her sister Kit Kat from a demented psychiatrist who has an all-girls orphanage, and Jack Bunny has to not be killed, fucked, or eaten. <laughs> Oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> and the notes that I have on, on the first page, which everyone who reads the script has to read the notes because I don't want, okay, I'll just read them. Notes. Number one, everyone in this hyper realistic revenge fairy tale is female. Number two, if cannibalism offends you, don't waste anyone's time and just throw this in the trash folder now. <laughs> number three, if terms like bondage, ball gags, and caning disturb you, again, just chuck this in the trash folder. Enjoy your very vanilla uh, regards, missionary, and maybe on your birthday, doggy style, and a little ass play, sex life. <laughs> and number four, which is the final one, this film is in no way a commentary on the seriousness of self-harm or the pleasures of the BDSM world. It's just what happens when a psycho bitch fucks with someone. Oh my gosh. I'm is in love. Is too late to call it picture of the year? Is it really? I mean, am I getting ahead of myself? That's I feel oh my like gosh. You guys like have to make that movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. See, yes this is amazing this is so exciting i like all of you have projects coming that i am beside myself with anticipation over um we cannot this, wait this is fantastic i want to see the grindhouse i want to see appendage i want to see the mysterious georgian film <laughs> this is so cool ah so last question is there anything that we didn't touch on? I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked to a lot of people. You've been asked the same questions a million times. I'm sure we're guilty of asking some of them today. Um, but is there anything about the film or the filmmaking process that in all these interviews, nobody has brought up and you've kind of wanted to talk about? I think that there is, unfortunately, systemic gaslighting when it comes to female filmmakers. Not always, but some of the time. Mm -hmm. Where my advice to female filmmakers, and I guess every filmmaker is, if somebody who you think has more power than you gives you a suggestion or tells you it has to be done this way, that is not necessarily the case. If you have a vision for something with respect and great communication, you should fight for that vision. Oh, I love oh, that. That's great advice. I love that. I really love that. Yeah. Mercedes, Katrina, any, any, I mean, the, your floor is yours. If you don't have an answer, that's okay too. I feel like it just snaps to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Amazing, amazing. Okay. And then for those um who are now obsessed with you, hopefully they've all seen the film. They are excited for everything coming down the pipeline from the three of you. Where on social media can they keep up with the updates or follow you in your career? For sure. So I'm at Mercedes Bryce Morgan on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm at Katrina Kedlick. Um and also uh follow my company, Fever Dream Studios. So at Fever Dream Studios, super simple. Sure. 
And uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZeoWelch19. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for doing this with us. This has been such an amazing interview. I'm so glad we got the chance to talk to you guys and that we hooked up on Twitter <laughs> and made this happen. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. Thank yes. You. And you've been so generous with your time and letting us ask all yeah, of our questions. You. And we appreciate you being so forthcoming. And like I said, so like kind to give us this, like, I mean, it's, it's late and we, we appreciate and value your time. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I mean, we, we love horror thank fans. Thank you guys for having so. us. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, because yes. you're making films for us. Yeah, <laughs> All right. So that was our amazing chat with Mercedes, Leah, and Katrina. That was so much fun. Did you yeah. have a good time? Oh, my gosh. So much fun. I think we laughed a lot. They were mm -hmm. really charming. Uh, yes. There was a cat that kept interrupting I'm, everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sir is the MVP of the <laughs> – when he was just like meowing, I was in heaven. In heaven. You know I love a disruptive cat. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I loved hearing all about, like, we we teased it at the top of the episode, all the stuff that Leah had to say about, like, her, you know, criminal history, not her criminal history, wait a minute, <laughs> her, like, her investigative of criminal history, like, the how yeah. those details came in, and, like, the dolphin story was wild. I know, you have got to watch that drunk history, it's so funny, and the story is, like, so bizarre, I was so glad she talked about that, but also... The fact that she was studying female serial killers. Like, I want to know more about that. That sounds right? so interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There's so many elements that she pulled from into the writing yeah. of this. Like, I think I have this idea that you, there's like one idea and then you like figure out how to make that idea work. But she right. was like pulling, like just weaving together all of these different ideas to make this such a unique story. Yeah. And what she was saying about female serial killers, how they get away with it for longer and tend to have mm. a higher body count. That was very interesting. Um, there's a reason the show is called More Deadly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also really loved their camaraderie in the interview and how like mm -hmm. if one person knew more about a question, they were deferring to each other or saying, hey, why don't you tell this story? I just think that's a it's really nice to see how they work together. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I like I like I said, I I feel like this is just sort of the beginning of a wave of films that they're going to make together yeah. or separately and and support each other in the process. Like what we are experiencing are three. We got three really three new voices in horror, and that's that's really cool. That is really really cool. Because if this is how their minds work, I need to see what they do next. Oh, I know. I mean, I'm really looking forward to what else they do, especially I'm really hoping that that script that Leah was reading from at the mm, end yes. gets made someday because that sounded really cool. Hell yes. I mean, we do need a woman to make a Grindhouse film. Like we talked yeah. about how the impact that having more film female filmmakers have had on this, the rape revenge genre. Yeah. Okay, now let's now do Grindhouse. Do Grindhouse, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man, I would love that so much if we got a series of Grindhouse movies directed by women. That would be so interesting. Yeah, I think what we need is like you know how Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, yes, uh huh, and then there was a bunch of like trailers, yes. which are now getting made into movies, um, or have been getting made into movies because I guess that Thanksgiving one's coming out from Eli yeah. Roth. Yep, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> what if we did like I what I would love to see is a like a XX grindhouse, right? Where it's like that would be great. Mercedes mm-hmm. and Leah or like I don't know, a few different women and then also like bring in some more short films. Okay, another we need another go fund me. Okay, if you are listening how to get this started because as I'm saying it, like I'm getting chills. My body wants this so bad. Like it imagine so if, like a trailer from Karen Kusama, a trailer from Julia Ducournau. You know what I mean? Just like all in, in the Carly grindhouse style. Yes, let's do it. Yes. Yes. How do we make that happen, guys? <laughs> right? I mean, listen, like that that is my dream. We've talked to so many amazing female filmmakers. Like, I would love to see them all get involved with something like this. I know this. Like, every time we interview a new woman director, we need to just pitch this idea. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going, I mean, you know, I'm not somebody. afraid to pitch an idea when I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They've all been very kind at letting me be like, okay, you can use this if you want. They're like, yeah, we're going to use it. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> someday, someday. But maybe the Grindhouse one will work. Maybe they'll. It's an they'll excellent idea. Oh, awesome. Well, that was so, so much fun. Like we said before, Spoonful of Sugar is available now on Shutter. If you got this far and you hadn't seen it, please do not let that dissuade you. Go back, watch it. Whatever we said about it can't possibly live up to what is actually presented on screen. Yeah, we left some stuff out. We didn't spoil all the beats of the plot. So go back and watch it. (laughs) The the main major. We didn't touch on. That's good. Good for us. Good. Look at us. We know what we're doing. (laughs) All right. Awesome. So thank you again to Mercedes, Leah, and Katrina for coming on the show. It was an absolute blast getting to get know you guys better and to talk about your film. And we cannot wait to see what you do next. Thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, we look forward to and hopefully having you on the show again someday to talk about all of the other amazing things that you make. For those of you at home, we hope you enjoyed this uh, interview. Maybe you have some thoughts, some feelings, some questions, some suggestions of women directors we should be like chasing down in the DMs. Uh, you can always email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page or slide into the DMs at ZG Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. If you're uh, enjoying the show and you want to support us, there's a handful of ways you can do it. Number one rate and review. I've said it before. I'll say it again in two eternity. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review, make (laughs) us feel good. Um, It really is actually incredibly helpful to the show. You can also buy some of our cool merch. We have rad more deadly shirts. Don't you want us on your boobs? Of course you do. <laughs> That's you a get selling that point. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, I put all my favorite podcasts on my boobs. Is that weird? I don't know. Um, you can get it at uh, zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you want to join our Patreon, we got one of those. And you get lots of cool perks with that. You get to join our Discord and hang out with us all day. Um, you get to get bonus episodes, extended episodes, our zombie bites, and I don't know, whatever else madness we cook up. You will be in the know on that. And you can do that at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. All right. So I think that is it for us today. Ariel, will you do me the most solid of solids? <laughs> like the epic handshake of solids. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? That yes. meme? Yes. from from predator uh-huh. uh anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of More Deadly Director's Cut. I hope you enjoyed our interview with this amazing powerhouse trio of filmmakers. They were incredible. Thank you for listening and sticking with us through Women in Horror Month. We hope you enjoyed all the content we put out. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll see you next time for another great interview. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Happy Women in Horror Month.